Do you need help protecting your finances as you enter retirement? David Dickens of KC Financial Advisors has got you covered. Welcome to the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. Well, hey there, and welcome to another edition of Cover Your Assets KC. I'm Walter Storholt alongside David Dickens, President, Wealth Advisor at KC Financial Advisors with an office in Overland Park online. You can find us at CoverYourAssetsKC.com. David, good to be with you this week. How you been? Uh, pretty good. Still kind of um, feeling the afterglow of that Chiefs win on Sunday Night Football this last weekend, so that was They were back fun. looking like they're supposed to look, right? <laughs> well, that's what everybody in Kansas City thinks is, those are the guys that we know. Let's hope they stick around for the end of the year. Well, I think uh, you know you get an extra week of football this year, so that's exciting, and that's just one more week to watch the Chiefs turn it around and get things heading back in the right direction. So Yeah, so, uh, you know, hopefully it's a lot of fun. We got it, it was fun to watch that next offense weekend, get so. back to its high-flying action. That's <laughs> Yeah, I, we like that. You know, all of a sudden, you know, we've been cellar dwellers for the first six weeks of the season, and all of a sudden we're in first. So who knows where it goes from here? Funny how that happens. Well, cellar dweller is a description I don't think anyone has ever used about this show, David. And we're going to prove it once again this week with some fantastic content for folks. And uh, back by popular demand, it's another mailbag edition of the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. If you've got a question, oh, I love the these episodes. These are great. These are the best. Absolutely. Uh, if you have a question you'd like featured on the show, you can get in touch a couple of different ways. Email David at d. Dickens at kcfa.com or go to coveryourassetskc.com and contact us through the website. Or I suppose you could even call in your question if you'd like, 913-317-1414. All that contact info should be pretty easy to find. Just check the show notes of today's show and we'll list it out there. Got three good questions for David this week. We're going to get things started off with Wade. And Wade says, my wife and I both earn very nice incomes and we don't have any kids. We're only 45, but we think it's reasonable for us to look at retiring within 10 years. So we're talking about retiring before age 55. Uh, what would we need to do to make that happen? So that's pretty cool, Wade, that you know, you're, evidently you've been pounding away at your savings since, um, since you guys started working, so that's good. I was reminded as I saw this question of a, of a couple of different quotes. One is, it's not really how much you make, it's how much you keep from what you make. And then um, Ben Franklin had a quote that I've, I've been telling myself and anybody who will listen for the last you know 40 years since I was younger than you, there are two paths to becoming wealthy. One is to earn more, the other is to spend less, and the fastest way to get there is to do both at the same time. And so wait, it kind of sounds like you're on that train, that you're doing a good job of earning and keeping a lot of what you make. So when I thought about this question, there are a couple of things. What you'll really want at, at getting up toward 55 is you'll just want a really high level of confidence that you're never going to run out of money. And that comes, frankly, from a good plan. And you can go back and listen to some of our prior podcasts, or maybe you have, where we talk about the planning process. And it's super important. And, and this is a perfect time for you to get serious about it, especially if you're going to try to, to um, exit the work business when you're in your fifties, uh, mid fifties. So, and the other thing is when you're 55, you could always go back to work or stay where you are or take part-time work, either you or your wife or both. And so kind of instead of retiring, what I like to think of this as is making a plan where work becomes optional. 
So when work is 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 work, what can be a bit of a grind? But if it's optional, well, all of a sudden your outlook is a lot different on getting up and going to do whatever it is you do during the day. So here are a couple of things to think about between now and 55. There are questions that you're going to want to have answered before you pull the plug. One is healthcare is really expensive. And, you know, most people are used to having their company pay for the premium and and you pay just a little bit of out of pocket. But once you're on your own and you're not 65 and using Medicare, that that uh, insurance premium every month can be, you know, anywhere between 500 bucks a month and 1500 bucks a month, depending on what kind of insurance you get. And there's some little um, little nuances about what I'm going to loosely call Obamacare that will probably be around 10 years from now. They can help you get subsidies from the government if, you're, if your uh, taxable income, your reportable income is low enough. But you just want to make sure that when you're 55, 10 years away from Medicare, that you have a really good plan that you feel comfortable with as to how you're going to fund your health care insurance. The second thing you'll want to really think hard about is what is your social security claiming strategy? So earliest you can start is 62. Your full retirement age will be 67 unless Congress does something to that before you get there, which frankly, at at age 45, they very well might do something like make that 68 or 69 or 70. And then, of course, the the longest you can wait before you start taking Social Security is 70. So you're going to want to have a claiming strategy that makes sense for you and your wife for either age 62 earliest, probably if you're going to have some longevity, if you're going to live past your early 80s, claiming at 62 is probably your worst idea. But then uh, 62, you can claim any age between 62 and 70, and you'll just want to have to have a, you'll want to have a plan for that. And the other thing to think about with Social Security is what they do is they look back at your 35 best years of earning. Well, if you retire at 55, 10 of your best years are probably ahead of you. And those, if you retire at 55, those earnings numbers will be zero, probably. So your Social Security checks will almost, by definition, be lower if you retire at 55 than if you retired at 65. So make sure you build that into your calculation as well. And then third, I answer this question for a lot of my existing clients, and that's about their mortgage. Now, if you guys are thinking about retiring in 10 years and you're 45, I'm confident that you already have a plan for having no mortgage when you're 55. And that's pretty awesome. So, you know, those are the things that um, that came to my mind in answering your question, Wade. But really, it kind of all boil it down to even if you get to 54 or 55 and you decide to keep working, at that point, based on what you, the little you've told us about your plan here, that work is going to be optional and you're going to feel really good about that. So, so good luck. If we can help you in any way with any analysis or anything else, just reach out and uh, we'll be happy to do that for you. And again, a couple of easy ways for you to reach out, whether it's to ask a question on the show or just to have a one-on-one conversation with David and the team, call 913-317-1414 or go online to coveryourassetskc.com and just check the description of today's show for appropriate links and contact info. Great question, Wade. Got another one here, uh, another good one. This one's from George. George says, David, I've heard you talking about being aware of the risk in your portfolio. I'm 65. Exactly how much risk should I be taking? So, George, in my business, you probably, from people like me, you probably hear the phrase, well, it depends quite a bit. But the answer to your question kind of depends. 
a lot of it depends on, I'm going to mention five different types of risk. But the sixth risk is probably the most important, and that's emotional risk. And that's, what, that's how you react to incurring these other types of risk. I love what Mike Tyson said. He said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And these types of risks are kind of like getting punched in the mouth uh, by your finances. And you just have to have a pretty good idea of how you're going to react to them. So the first one is market risk. And you would know, well, we just experienced a nice dose of market risk when COVID in February of 2020 took the stock market down 34% in about six weeks. And so there was a lot of opportunity for panic, for saying, oh my gosh, I got to get the safer stuff. And then as we all know, in hindsight, the market recovered fully in about four or five months. And then it's gone on to new highs. But you never know that when you're staring into a significant drop like that. So you have to be able to say to yourself, if my, let's just say, George, you put away for sake of round numbers, a million bucks. If your million bucks is all of a sudden worth 660000 what do you do? And if your reaction is, I better get to some safer stuff, you're very likely making an emotional reaction all that means is you have too much risk, too much market risk in your portfolio. So that's, that's one thing as to what, you know, whether you have too much risk or how much risk you should be taking. If your reaction is when the market's down fairly significantly, if your reaction is I should sell, you've got too much risk. So that's market risk. You know, inflation's a hot topic right now, George. And so we haven't really had inflation risk since seems like the, the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, you might be about my age. You are. You're a, little, you're a little older than me. My first mortgage cost me 12 and 7 eighths percent, and it was floating. <laughs> and all I could think of it doing was going to 14 or 16 or 18 percent. And all it's done since 1981, when I got my first mortgage, was go down. So we have gotten numb to inflation. And now just over the last four or five or six months, with all this supply chain stuff, uh, we're starting to think about, wow, is inflation really coming back? And is the stuff I buy going to be worth, is it going to cost me twice as much to buy this stuff six or eight years from now? So you want to make sure that when you have a plan in place, that it includes some inflation risk expectations to the stuff you spend money on. And then you'll know kind of your risk of, of it on inflation is having too much in bonds, in things that actually go down in value uh, when inflation is high. So that is some sort of a toggle between market risk, having, in, having stock market investments, and things that are subject to going down in inflation, which would tend to be bonds. Speaking of bonds, there's interest rate risk. In just a very short little mention, all I want to say is when interest rates go up, the value of your bonds go down. And so if we were to get into a into an environment where interest rates rose somewhat significantly, then the value of the bonds that you own would go down. And the longer those bonds are to maturity, the more they go down as interest rates rise. Now, my general take, and this is not specific advice to anybody listening, but my general take is interest rates are going to have a very hard time of going up much in the near future. So I'm not overly interest, uh, concerned about interest rate risk, it's probably more the risk that rates stay super low and you don't earn anything on your bonds. You've got liquidity risk. So if you put too much money, for instance, in annuities, 
that have long surrender penalties, well, then you're going to have a hard time getting your money out. And you might, if you really needed a lot of that money at some particular time, you'd have to pay big prepayment penalties to get it out. So that's kind of what liquidity risk is. And you wouldn't want too much of that. Credit risk these days, you know, when I think about credit risk in a retiree, you might have some junk bonds in your portfolio that theoretically could go bankrupt. You could have Enron stock back in the 90s, which you thought was great, and they go bankrupt. You know, you could make a loan to your brother-in-law and loans to relatives in retirement. Generally, that's not a good idea. So that's credit risk. And that's just when you don't get all your money back. So George, whether you have too much or too little risk depends a lot on you and the size of your nest egg, how much of it you can afford to lose and still maintain your standard of living in retirement. That would all come together in a real retirement plan. And you probably, I hope you have one at 65. This would be a really good time to know that you have a significant plan in place that has these types of things built in. And that you'd have the confidence that your retirement is going to be relatively unscathed if you can take a hit from market risk, some inflation, a little bit of interest rate risk, maybe some liquidity risk, and that ill-advised loan to your brother-in-law. Helpful information, and I think that uh, you know you can see the depth at which the conversation gets when you start talking about risk and the different types of risk that are out there. It's just going to be different for everybody that comes through the door, how you feel about risk, what's appropriate for your situation. That's why it's one of the central conversations that David has with folks who come in for financial planning and retirement conversations. And again, if that's you, you want to talk a little bit more about your specific situation, including different risk levels that you're comfortable with and what's appropriate, give a call to 913-317-1414, 913-317-1414, or go online to coveryourassetskc.com. Thank you, George, for the question. All right, we got one here from Vicky to wrap things up on this week's show, David, and it's another good one. Uh, Vicky says, I don't think my kids are expecting an inheritance from me because I was a single mom for most of their lives, but I really want to be sure that I'm not a financial burden for them at any point. Should I work until I'm 70 so that I can take the highest possible Social Security benefit? All right, so that's a Fantastic question, Vicki. First of all, congratulations. Boy, I think being a single parent has got to be the hardest job in America. So congratulations on raising those kids and for getting yourself to the point where you get to ask this question to figure out what's best for Vicki over the next 10 or 20 or 30 years that you might have left. So financially, I can't speak, what's, I can't speak to what is right for you, Vicki, because I don't know you. But financially speaking, I think the answer is yes. You should work. There is a really good financial reason why you would want to work to 70 so that you get the highest possible Social Security benefit. And having seen this question in advance, I worked up a, a, a little example that I hope will be helpful to you, Vicki. So if your Social Security, let's just say, is 1800 bucks a month at your full retirement age, which let's just say is 66, and you guys, you would know from listening to this show that once you get to be 70, your Social Security doesn't get any better than that. There's no reason to wait to 71. So if you continue to work from 66 to 70, your Social Security income amount is going to grow by 8% each year that you don't start taking it up to age 70. So for instance, back to $1,800 a month at 66, with that 8% growth 
would mean that in uh, at, at age 66, you'd have 1800 bucks a month. But if you waited till 70, you'd have $2,376 a month. So that's a difference of about seven grand a year more that you would have in Social Security income if you waited till age 70. Why is that important? Well, I think I, I covered this maybe a year ago on a podcast, and I'm really glad that you brought this up again, Vicki. There's something in my world called the 4% rule. And what that basically says is, if you want to make sure that you don't run out of money, when you start in retirement, you have a nest egg, whatever that is in your IRA, 401k, etc. And you can take 4% of that out as income to supplement Social Security or etc. So here's where I want to tie that into working an extra four years to get a higher Social Security amount. That's seven grand a year that you would get at 70 the seven grand more that you would get. If you were to need to save in a 401k over that same period of time, an amount that would allow you to take out 7,000 more a year, you would have had to have saved $175,000 over that four-year period. Now, Vicki, I don't know what you make, and I don't know how much you save, but I'm going to guess that saving an extra $175,000 over that four years would be pretty challenging. Yet, if you work an extra four years, the government is going to give you the equivalent of that in an extra Social Security income every month for the rest of your life. And it's going to have a cost of living increase associated with it. So that's why I say the answer not knowing anything else about you, the answer for me is a resounding yes. If you're at all concerned about running out of money, th those extra couple of years are, are invaluable in getting your Social Security income higher. There's one other big, big benefit. During that age 66 to 70, well, actually two things, you're that much closer to your life expectancy. So that's four less years, you have to fund a big portion of your own retirement out of your savings. And it gives that money an extra four years to grow. So if you can wait till 70 to start taking money out of your 401k or IRA, your other savings, and you get the higher social security amount, there's a dramatic benefit for the rest of your life to having done that. So it's a fantastic question. Hopefully that answer wasn't too numbers oriented, but it's frankly, in my business, it's all about the numbers and how you can put together a plan that makes the most sense for you and allows you to have a confidence level that you're not going to run out of money in your 80s or early 90s. So Vicki, hope, hopefully that was really helpful. Uh, congrats for getting to this point. And again, if we can help you in any way, you should reach out to us and I'd be happy to run some numbers for this uh, on this for you. Great breakdown, David. Thank you for walking us through that, not only for Vicky's question, but the other ones today as well. One more time, I'll reiterate, if you have a question for David or just want to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with uh, David and the team, you can reach out at 913-317-1414, or you can go online to coveryourassetskc.com for more information and to contact David through the website, or just email him directly, ddickens at kcfa.com. All that contact info is in the description of today's show. And feel free to submit questions to be featured on a future show as well. We always invite those to come in. Easiest place to do that, again, is coveryourassetskc.com. And who knows, in a future mailbag edition of the program, we might feature your question. 
Uh, David, thank you so much for the help on today's program. Have a great rest of your week. Any big uh, Thanksgiving plans on the horizon for you? Why, yes. I'm actually spending Thanksgiving with my handsome three grandsons and either two or three of my daughters and a couple of men in their life. It's going to be pretty awesome. What about you? Fantastic. Glad to hear it. We're going to visit uh, one side of the family over the weekend, and then we've got uh, only got two days. Um, uh, Connie's only got two days off at Thanksgiving. But hey, we actually have Thanksgiving off this year, <laughs> which is different than most years with her working in the hospital. So we're going to pop down to my folks' place. And uh, I grew up going to the beach every Thanksgiving. That was sort of our tradition. But it's been several years now since we've been able to do that again. And uh, so we're going to go kind of back to the old school days, and we're going to go down to the beach and, and do a beach Thanksgiving. So, that sounds really fun. Yeah. I, I must admit, I've never been to the beach for Thanksgiving. It's a, it's a great time to go. It's nice and cool. Great to go out and throw the football on the on the beach and take a nice walk in the afternoon to either get rid of the uh, all the calories <laughs> that you just ate or to prep for the calories that are about to be eaten. <laughs> or a little of both. Or a little of both if you can squeeze in uh, two walks. Yes, absolutely. So. It should be a good time. Well, hope everybody has a fantastic Thanksgiving. We'll look forward to talking to everybody again soon. New episodes each week right here on the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. Thanks for listening. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and KC Financial Advisors are independent of each other. For full disclosures, please visit our website at www.coveryourassetskc.com.